Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you that it is well with our souls. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone in this room or watching us via live stream and it's not well with their soul, that they'll look to your word, that they'll reach out to someone, that they'll listen to our pastor this morning, find out about the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we know there are those in our church body that are hurting. We continue to lift up Steve Elkins as he gains strength. Thank you for small amounts of progress this week in his life. Pray that you would continue to strengthen him. We know there are others that are fighting sickness or have loved ones that are. We lift them to you. Now help us to concentrate now on your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Be seated. We are going to hear from our pastor. He's feeling just fine. He recorded a message for us last night, and we're going to hear from him now. Well, it's good to be with you at least in whatever form that we can this morning. I'm glad that you're here and appreciate you so very much. Um, you probably heard by now, but sweet little Emma has COVID and that means all of us who have been around her have been exposed. So in order to uh, have an abundance of caution, we have uh, quarantined ourselves. And since this happened on a Saturday evening, afternoon actually that she found out she had COVID, COVID that means that um, well we all had to scramble and so uh, thank you for bearing with us on all of this we're going to continue where we were though in Exodus chapter 28 if you want to go ahead and take your Bibles and turn there and we are going to be um, thinking about the uh, idea of the priesthood now, a lot of denominations, well, I, I say a lot, maybe not a lot, but several denominations actually and cults do have priests in their um, organization, in their hierarchy. Baptists do not. Now, it's not right because it's Baptist. It's only right as it reflects accurately the scripture. And why don't Baptists have priests? Why am I not Father Greg. Um, the reason is in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24 through 26, it says, For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, tabernacle, temple, that type of thing, which are copies of the true things, but in heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not of his own, for then he would have had to offer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So the first thing that we think about is we, this is before we even get into Exodus, 
that Christ is the all-sufficient, once-for-all, completed sacrifice for us. So we don't need any man like a high priest or anyone else to go to God for us. See, a priest basically would represent God to the people and also represent the people to God. And so you would go through a priest in order to get to God. But after Christ died on the cross, that of course is no longer necessary. When you uh, read in Matthew chapter 27, 51, and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and rocks were split. What, what curtain? Just a decorative curtain? No, it was the dividing curtain between the holy of holies, the holiest place, and everything else. And it was torn from top to bottom because God did it. And it was, well, opening up the holy of holies to everyone who would repent of their sins and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's an amazing thing. You and I, because of Christ, can do what the high priest of all of those years could never do on their own. See, the high priest could only go in at one, uh, on one day a year. You and I can go into the Holy of Holies all the time, anytime. And the Bible tells us, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Did you get that? To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We don't offer lambs or goats or bulls, but we do offer spiritual sacrifices every day. The book of Hebrews talks about offering the sacrifice of praise. It's what we do. And 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. So we are ambassadors um, of Christ and ambassadors for Christ, and we do it from the office of priesthood. But he is the ultimate. He is the high priest. We don't have to have anyone go to God for us. We don't have to go through anyone in order to get to him. There's not a better way. He is the ultimate. So when people say, well, you know, I was sick and no one prayed for me. Are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, then you're wrong. Jesus, the ultimate, prayed for you. Maybe I didn't, and maybe someone else didn't, but Christ did. And you should never think of that as being secondary. That's the primary thing. That's what really matters. And so we are priests, and we are called to represent God before a lost and a dying world. We're ambassadors for Christ, the Bible says. And we also are the ones who intercede for other people. We pray for other people, especially for lost people who don't know him. Why? Because we have a relationship with God that they don't have, and we can go before God at any time. Arthur Pink says, and I quote, the feeblest member of the household of faith is as much a priest as the apostle Peter himself. He is a spiritual priest. 
He worships in a spiritual temple. He stands at a spiritual altar. He offers a spiritual sacrifice. He is clad in spiritual vestments. And that spiritual temple is heaven itself. And when he enters in spirit through the rent or torn veil, that spiritual altar is Christ himself. The altar in which he sanctifies the gift, that spiritual sacrifice is praise unto God. Now, that means any of us, I don't care who you are, I do not have a closer standing with God as a priest than you do. We are of equal rank and equal standing before God, and your prayers are not inferior to my prayers, and my prayers are not the extra boost that is needed to get your prayer into wherever it needs to be. We are all priests unto God. So when we come to Exodus chapter 28 and read the first four verses, it says, Now take Aaron your brother and his sons with him, from among the children of Israel, that he may minister to me as a priest. Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and um, Ithamar, and you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. Okay, that's for Aaron and his sons, to glorify and beautify them. Okay. Uh, lost my place. Here it is. So you shall speak to all who are gifted artisans whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him that he may minister to me as priest. And these are the garments which they shall make. A breastplate, an ephod, a robe, a skillfully woven tunic, a turban, and a sash. And they shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and his sons, that he may minister to me as priest. Now, this is an amazing thing. Moses is writing this down for us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit because God has told him what he is supposed to do and he indeed is doing it. Make sure this gets done. And as we think about how the Bible talks about us being priests, that Christ is in the position of Aaron. He is our, as the book of Hebrews says, our high priest, our sympathetic, compassionate high priest, and we are the priests that served under him. So as we think about that, I want you to think about some things that come up out of this text. Notice how the Lord said, I want you to take Aaron, your brother, and his sons, where from among the children of Israel, that he may minister to me as priest. This tells us, number one, that being a priest is not just something that anybody can do. It's not just something that uh, you decided to do. It's actually a calling. And so even back then, the picture of our priesthood is shown in Aaron. Bring him out and bring him out from among the people, the common everyday people, the sinners, and bring him out and set him aside to be something different, to be something special, to be a priest that will minister unto me. 
When I think about that, it makes me think about our calling. It makes me think about our election. It makes us think about what the Bible calls predestination. We were called out of the world and out of darkness, out of our sin, into his marvelous light, out of the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of light. We are called, we are chosen by him. And God didn't just sit in heaven and say, well, I hope somebody comes. He's the one who draws. No one can come except this father draws him, Jesus told us. And so um, as we think about that, we are reminded that it was the sovereign grace of God that brought us to Christ. It was the Holy Spirit who drew us to him so that we could believe. And he's the one who gave us the faith so that we might believe. He brought us to the cross. He brought us life. He came to indwell us. He came to give us a new nature as well. And so everything about us, about us has changed because of Jesus and because of his calling. And just like Aaron, we're called. We're not anything different or anything special. We are sinners that are saved by the grace of God. And God's grace has called us to be priests unto him. So we don't lord it over other people. We don't look down on other people. But we do understand point number two. God said that there is a distinction. Now, Aaron may have been called out of everybody, but he was not just another person. Aaron may have been called to be the high priest, not deserving to be the high priest. But once he was called to be the high priest, he was indeed something different. There was a distinction between Aaron and everyone else. You better not try to wear Aaron's garments and do what Aaron was called to do. He was distinct unto God. In fact, ask Nadab and Abihu what it was like because they tried to take authority they didn't have and they offered strange fire. And what happened to them? You can read about it in the book of Numbers. God killed them because they were doing something they were not called or appointed to do. This is serious stuff when you think about it. When God called you to salvation and he made you a priest unto him, you can go before him and don't have to go through anyone to get to him. He made you a distinct, a very distinct person. You are a new creature in Christ. Now, I would like for you to think about this because according to the scripture, the newness that we have in Christ is a newness of relationship a newness of position, all of that is who we are. Old things have passed away. I'm no longer in the kingdom of darkness. I'm no longer a child of the devil. I'm a child of God. Think about that. My sins have been washed away for time and eternity, and I relate to God in a completely different manner than lost people do, in a different manner than I would have thought I might have before. Here I am, brought into the presence of God, made to be a saint of God, and given a new life. When the Lord came to live in me through the Holy Spirit, he gave me his life. He also made me spiritually alive. His spirit, Romans 8, 16, bears witness with our spirit that we're the sons of God. That's absolutely amazing. I have a new nature. You have a new nature 
a new spirit that relates to God. All of this is telling us we're brand new, we're different, and we are distinct before him. The royal robes of righteousness, the royal robes of priesthood, the royal robes of being kings and queens are placed upon us. We're marked off as the children of God. And this distinction that Aaron had when he put on these priestly garments would have set him apart from everyone else. You know, it's interesting that Christians in my generation and the ones coming after, we are so busy trying to prove to the world that we're cool, that we're relevant, that we're like you, that we're broken, that we are messed up. And then we dress in such a way where they can't tell any difference between us and anyone else. I would encourage you, and I'm not saying you have to wear a tuxedo or a suit and tie or anything, but dress in such a way when you come to church that number one, it shows respect. Number two, it shows modesty. And number three, whenever you leave church, that people that see you at a restaurant or in your neighborhood, they know that you've been to church. They know that you've been someplace special. They know that you've been someplace that matters. Well, notice here with Aaron, when he would wear these things, everybody knew who he was. A little kid walking with his mom and daddy would say, who is that? And they would tell him who he was. There's something about this distinction that I think makes us better ambassadors for Christ and better evangelists because we're not just one of the gang and we're not just one of the crowd anymore. Admittedly, it's all by the grace of God. Don't ever lose sight of that. But we are different. We are distinct. We are children of the king. We ought to walk like it. Children of the king don't look at pornography. Children of the king don't get drunk. Children of the king don't tell dirty jokes. Children of the king talk differently and speak differently. They don't use four-letter words. Children of the king have a different outlook toward life. Whatever may happen to them, good or difficult, they look at it through the eyes of the sovereignty of God in Romans 8:28. This is for a purpose, and God is going to bless me through all of this and use me to be a blessing through all of this. We are different and we need to quit trying to prove that we're just as cool as the world is and we are relevant to them because our real power comes in irrelevance when the differences are shown. Because when they see us and they go, well, he goes to church all the time, but he's really no different than me. There's no conviction on that. But when the difference is seen, he is different than me. What is it that makes him or her different than me? Then conviction comes in and there's an opportunity to witness. Thirdly, notice that there is advanced preparation. You know, if we were doing this, we'd go and, and ask Aaron if he wanted to be the priest. And then we would say, okay, well now we need to make the proper garments for you. We would do it in that order, but not God. God makes the garments before he ever actually has the priest working. Aaron hadn't been called to be a priest yet, chronologically, but his garments are ready whenever he does, or whenever he is. This isn't Aaron's choice. This is what Aaron is chosen to do, and God has made the garments, or had the garments made, before Aaron ever steps into the office. There's no gap, there's no gap. As soon as Aaron is called, they dress him up. 
Why? Because advance preparation has been made. Did you know that when you got saved, you didn't catch God off guard? Angels didn't have to scramble to set another table, a plate at the table for the marriage supper of the lamb. It was ready. A mansion, God didn't have to go, "Uh uh-oh, Greg prayed the prayer, build another mansion. Mansion's already there. God knew when I was gonna be saved, when he was gonna call me, when he was gonna draw me. He knew what spiritual gift he was gonna give me. He didn't have to look through a list and say, what gifts haven't we used lately? He gave me the gift he had chosen for me to have. He uniquely formed and fashioned me with the talents that I have so that I can use them for his glory with my spiritual gift and his power. But he also fashioned a life for me and a life for you. Even before we were saved, even the abusive things, even the horrible things, even the shattering things that took place before were all by the design of a sovereign God so he could take us in our brokenness and make something beautiful out of our lives. He could take us and make us rise up out of the ashes, beauty for ashes, and restore the years that the locusts have eaten so that we might be able to bless other people, counsel other people, help other people because we've been in the foxhole that they're in. When my dad was an army chaplain, do you think that when he was in Vietnam, it helped that he had been a veteran of the Korean War, that he had had received two Purple Hearts in the Korean War, that he had actually fought in a battle, not just been a preacher all of his life? He could identify with what they were going through and he could help them with it. That's what God is calling us to do. We are the ones that through this advanced preparation are uniquely called, chosen, and formed, and gifted, and talented, and even the things we go through are for a purpose. Are you single? That's not an accident. Have you been through a divorce? That's not merely by chance. Have you grown up in a tough home environment? That's not something that God says, well, we'll work around that. He's going to work through that the good as well as the bad, and he has prepared you and prepared a ministry for you in advance so that you might glorify and honor him. Number four, we also know uh, two words here, exaltation and condescension. Exaltation and condescension. You see, the high priest would put on these robes and Aaron would put on these robes. But the truth of the matter is, Aaron was just a child of dirt like we are. In fact, Aaron, even even Aaron, the original, on the day of Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, he didn't just get up, throw on a ball cap, brush his teeth, and put on whatever clothes were laying on his bed and say, let's go get this over with. We'll come as we are. No, he couldn't do that. He had to bathe a certain way. He had to prepare himself a certain way. He had certain garments that he was supposed to wear and he had certain things he was supposed to do. Why? Because Aaron was atoning for his own sins, not just the sins of Israel, his own sins. And so this sinner is brought up out of the dirt, out of the muck, out of the mire, out of the slime, out of the pig pen. Ironic to say that when you're talking about Jews, but brought up out of all of that to be made distinct, right? We've already seen that. He was called by God, he didn't choose it. He was made distinct, he's a different person with a different new position. 
There was advanced preparation for all of this. And now he is exalting himself as he puts on these garments. Now that's what God intended to happen. So there's nothing wrong with that. But later on, we find that other priests didn't take this very seriously. The Bible tells us that uh, at that time when Christ was on trial and all of that, Matthew, uh, here it is, 26, verse 65, then the high priest tore his robes and said, he has uttered blasphemy. What further witnesses do we need? You now have heard his blasphemy. Did you know the high priest was blaspheming when he tore those holy robes? Leviticus 21.10, the priest who is chief among his brothers on whose head the anointing oil is poured and who has been consecrated to wear the garments shall not let the hair of his head hang loose nor tear his clothes. You think the high priest at the trial of Jesus didn't know that? Yeah, but like all of us, He's more interested in what the sins of other people or what he perceives to be the sins of other people instead of his own. And so this priest didn't really take the priesthood seriously or he would never have torn his garments. He didn't really take it all seriously or else he would have seen that Christ is the promised Messiah. You see, these priests had come to a place to where they were exalting themselves, exalting themselves. If they did it the way God wanted them to, then it was a good thing. If not, then it was a bad thing. But I've got the word condescension written down here as well. What do I mean by condescension? Well, there was another priest, a royal priest, who was seated in heaven on the throne. And according to Philippians chapter 2, this is the priest that stepped out of heaven, laid aside all of the prerogatives of deity and he humbled himself and he became a child of dirt like us and he lived among the dirt and his hands were rough he was in a carpenter's home after all he knew what it was to be tired to be hungry to be thirsty to be betrayed all of those things and yet when he was walking on earth there was no halo over him there was no glow about him in fact Isaiah 53 says that there was no form or comeliness about him that we should desire him. Nothing special, nothing handsome, nothing that set him apart. Why? Because he took off his robes. He didn't put them on. And living here among the common people, he was loved by the common people. He ate with prostitutes and sinners and the Pharisees and all of their robes of righteous um, standing, all of their robes of false humility and pride and they couldn't stand the Lord Jesus Christ. He eats with people like this, they said. What a horrible thing to say about the Lord. But that's because the Lord was not promoting himself and exalting himself. He condescended. Hallelujah. What a savior. A savior that instead of putting on the robes, took them off so that he could come down and die on the cross. And, and even that death, Paul says in Philippians 2 was even the death of a cross. What did he mean by that? It was a horrible, humiliating death. He was completely naked when he was crucified. 
He was crucified with thieves, sinners. Even then, even then, he took his place with the sinners and with the commoners. People must have wondered, what has he done? What in the world is going on? But he was dying for our sin and taking our sin upon himself, wasn't he? Now he's exalted. Now he's at the right hand of the Father. Now he takes up his priestly duties. But not while he was on earth. While he was on earth, he was here so that he could be the sacrifice for us. So Aaron would put on the robes and exalt himself. And our Lord, the one who truly deserved them, took them off in order that he might humble himself. If you haven't trusted him as Savior and Lord, you sure ought to. Only he is worthy. Only he is sufficient to pay for your sins. He's the one who took off the robes and condescended to die for our sins. Surrender to him as Lord today. Ask him to be your Savior and forgive you of your sins. And child of God, if you've taken it for granted that it's, well, it's just Jesus. Boy, that's a blasphemous thought, isn't it? If you have not been walking knowing that you too, like Aaron, you're called and you're distinct, act like it, that there's advanced preparation. Maybe it feels like God has pushed the pause button on your life right now, but that's only because he has something for you to do later on and he's preparing them and preparing you for that. You're not an accident. You're not a second-class citizen. You're not an afterthought in the heart of God. And then when you think about one put on the robes of the priest to exalt himself, one took off the robes to humble himself. And because he did that, Philippians 2 goes on to tell us, therefore God has highly exalted him, given him a name that is above every other name that at the name of Jesus, whether you're above earth or under the earth, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so now we live and function in an Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 world, whether we're witnessing, whether we're overcoming sin, whether we're helping somebody else, whether we're serving somebody else, now to him, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. And how does he do that? According to the power that works in us. Why does he do that? That Christ may receive glory in the church. For how long? Generation after generation, world without end. As long as it takes. For an eternity. And I want you to think about all of that, the high position you've been called to, to think about the choosing of God, the distinction of God in your life, to think about the advanced preparation and all because Jesus chose to condescend and come down to where we are for his glory and for our good. So as you think about that, that's life-changing. There's something wrong if that doesn't change your life, your thought, and your attitude. And may it change lost people into confessing Jesus as Lord and being saved. 
and may it take, may it take save people and causing us to burn brightly for the glory and the honor of the Lord wherever we are not being jealous of other people, not comparing other people, not envying whatever it is God's doing through them, but doing whatever he has called and given us opportunity to do because he gives us the power and the strength to do it and it is for the glory of Christ. So let's march on, let's serve our king and let's remember who we are because we know who he is, king of kings and Lord of lords. May the Lord bless you. Thank you for being here today and have a great, great week and may the Lord bless you richly.